This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. And thank you so much for joining us. I am so glad that you have joined us on this continuing discussion uh, of uh, the compendium of the social doctrine of a of the church, a, a document that the um, Pontifical Council of the U.S. Catholic Bishops put together to help us navigate how to to live out social justice in the post-revolution, or not post-revolution, but the post-industrial revolution world. How do we navigate through all of these major changes that happened about 150 years ago uh, in our world? Uh, today we are completing a, a four-part mini-series on Chapter 8 of the Compendium on Political Community. Uh, next time we're going to be looking at the international community, which is an interesting topic to discuss because the gist of this podcast is how to create a just society within your own neighborhood. But we do live, especially nowadays, in an international community of humanity. How do we live that out? Uh, so join us next time for that. But in this episode, we're going to be talking about democracy, democracy in its pure form, the media's role in a just society, and the church and religion's role in society. There are many forms of government, but the compendium, the Pontifical Council, puts forth the proposal that the best form uh, is democracy which allows citizens to hold government accountable through peaceful means of voting. So in this discussion about democracy, media, and, and religion, uh, and their role in a just society, let's begin talking about democracy. Now, there's many forms of government, but what the compendium puts forth is that democracy is the best form, again, because it allows citizens to hold the government accountable. Democracy is the form of government, in its pure form again, that gives citizens power to vote governing officials in and out of office and allows citizens to vote on major issues. Now, there's various forms of democracy, but you know some democracies allow for representatives to vote for the people of their region, but still there is, the, again, the voting in and out of these representatives. Now, in the United States, where I live, despite what politicians say, the United States is not a true democracy. Uh, it is a constitutional republic, which is different. Um, you know, I hear politicians constantly saying, you know, here to work for a better democracy. The president of the United States got up a few weeks ago on national television and say, I'm here to save democracy. Well... Yeah, if there was a democracy to save, I suppose, but this is a constitutional republic, and that's different from a democracy. I won't get in details of that because that's not the point I'm making today. But still, 
even in the United States, we vote officials in and out of office. The main point of democracy and what the Pontifical Council says is its value is that citizens hold the true power. And uh, if governing officials do not act according to the good of society, citizens do not have to resort to violence, but can simply vote those officials in and out of office. Uh, a lot of the career politicians have been driven, you know, here in the United States, a lot of the career politicians have driven the economy into the ground, ruined small businesses and created tyrannical policies. And so citizens are saying farewell to these leaders with their vote. We are in an election cycle this year, and this election cycle has major Implications because we're seeing a lot of people voted out of their positions and fresh blood, so to speak, coming into those positions. Why? Because in this type of a setting, even though, again, it's not a true democracy, but in this type of says, uh, uh, setting, citizens have the power to vote these people out that they say are driving things the wrong direction in our society. So in democracy, the government is accountable to the common person. This is why I think that many government positions that are currently outside the election process should be brought into the election process. Now, for example, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, uh, leaders and other bureaucracies such as that, a lot of people are done with the corruption in these um, bureaucracies. In fact, uh, some people are even calling for the FBI to come within the election process and that the leaders of the FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigations, be voted in and out by citizens because of corruption. And so, and I think, you know, in Oregon, it would be good if leaders of the Oregon Department of Transportation would be voted in and out. Uh, of DHS, the Department of Human Services, highly, highly, highly corrupt uh, bureaucracy in Oregon. I think it'd be good if we could vote those leaders in and out. It allows for more accountability. Now, I'm going to cite a silly example, but it's an example that's serious to citizens of Portland, here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, the Portland Bureau of Transportation has, you know, decided to create a a plan called the road diet plan and they're taking lanes away from city streets like so four lane roads are now becoming two lane roads and what's happened is that what used to be free flowing traffic is now thrust into gridlock and now you have very very long lines of traffic lights and having to wait through several cycles to get through an intersection and people are now taking them a long time to get to work now because of these supposed road diets and on Gleason street on the far East side, free flowing four lane road, they've reduced to two lanes. But here's the thing. The reason why I'm using this as an example, the city did a survey. And I think the only reason they did the survey is just to say they did one, but in the survey, it was discovered that 93%, 93% of the citizens did not want Gleason street shrunk down to two lanes and even though 93% of citizens said, we do not want this, they did it anyways. Why? Because they're not accountable 
they're not elected in and out of office. They're hired into their position. So people are saying we would like to be able to vote city leaders in these bureaucracies in and out of their office. Now, on that's the good stuff. But here's a warning. For a democracy to work, the citizens have to be enlightened. And unfortunately, too many people in society are blind and ignorant. Therefore, we end up with total boneheads as spiritual leaders, or political leaders, rather. For a democracy to work, citizens must be educated and spiritually enlightened enough to vote well. And this is why our, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think a lot of conspiracies out there have some teeth to them. And it could be that this may be why our public schools are so dumbed down. I'm beginning to really heavily lean on the belief that the government is intentionally dumbing down the population through the education system so that they cannot think for themselves to vote well. So they become pawns, uh, citizens become pawns and become dependent on the ruling class. Email me and let me know your thoughts on that. But that's the idea. The idea is in a pure democracy, citizens can vote government officials in and out of office, therefore keeping the government in check. That often doesn't happen because people who are corrupt find ways around that, but we can talk about that more later. Now, you may ask, you know, there's so much corruption in government, so if this is the case that democracy is a good thing, which again the compendium puts forth, then why does government corruption happen? Well, democracy in its pure form holds to the underlying truth that all people have dignity and that the government is a means to a just society, not the end, and that government grows out of society, not existing apart from it. So corruption in government happens when truth about God is rejected, thus truth, thus truth about humanity is rejected. And when government believes itself to be an end unto itself, then corruption happens and the citizens become pawns and tools to use for the government's own ends. So it really, when government begins to see itself as coming from itself and existing for itself and that everything exists for the government, that's when the corruption happens. When the government see officials see themselves as coming from society to serve society, then the corruption is not as prevalent as it is now. Now, we talked the last time about how to deal with corrupt government, so I won't get into it today. But in a democracy, if citizens awaken in a unified way, then corrupt officials can easily be shown the exit, which is happening in a lot of political races this election season. Now... I'm going to delve into a specific area where I see injustice when it comes to voting, which is the crux of a democracy is the right to vote by citizens. One thing that needs to end is vote by mail. You know, I got my ballot in the mail the other day to vote, you know, and I see that as a form of injustice. Vote by mail uh, is an unjust means that easily leads itself to corruption in the voting system 
There is no guaranteed way to truly know if your vote is counted properly. Also, because elections stretch for weeks in vote by mail, then if politicians of one party are not liking the results that are coming in, they can manipulate counts to come out of their favor. Now, voting should happen to be just. Voting should happen in person with citizens proving their identification and right to vote with a real-time recording of their vote so that they can only vote once. And votes should be counted, all votes should be completed and counted within the same day of election with security from all political parties present observing those who are counting the votes. Two, voter rolls should be regularly cleaned up of citizens, right? And this has been a complaint from both of the major political parties in the United States, but voter rolls should be regularly cleaned up of citizens who are either dead or no longer qualified to vote and cleaning up addresses to ensure voters are only voting from one address. And I know here in Oregon, uh, it's been a huge problem with people being able to vote more than once because the voter rolls show multiple addresses uh, for individuals. So what this does is it ensures a just voting system so that officials in office are really the ones that the majority of citizens voted for. You know, there's been complaints from all political parties in the U.S. of voter fraud. One quick answer to voter fraud is to immediately end vote by mail. It's not good. And here's the problem is in Western society, we're all about convenience. Well, I want to break that little bubble for you. Just because something is convenient does not mean that it is good or the right thing to do. So that's democracy. Let's move on and talk about media. Now the fun part. What role does media play in society? You know, we all use media. We watch media. And we equally hate media at the same time. Uh, in a just society, media plays an important role of keeping citizens informed of what political leaders are doing and saying. That's the media's role. In a democracy, if people are given the right to vote, then media plays an important role to keep citizens informed of what politicians are doing and saying, and therefore then voters know how to vote wisely. In a just society, media is not twisting things to play to a certain agenda. The problem is this, that modern media exists for one purpose, and that is making money. I don't care if it's CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, or whatever, conservative, liberal, media sources exist to make money. And to make more money, the media must pander to special interest groups. It could be the conservative special interest groups. It could be the liberal special interest groups, whatever. Uh, but one big interest group that the media panders to is big pharma. I mean, just watch the evening news and observe all the big pharma commercials. And it's on liberal and conservative media giants is big pharma commercials, you know, for the latest medication that will cause stroke, heart attack, and 
numbness and whatever else, even death. Now, so we've got a problem. The media is lying to us, the, especially the big mainstream media. They are lying to us. They are pandering to an agenda and they're all about making money, which has brought on a conversation. What about freedom of speech? Should we limit what they can say? Should limits be placed on the media? I recently realized a phrase that I have come to dislike. I am developing a, a very bad taste in my mouth whenever I hear this phrase. And the phrase is, we do not tolerate hate here. I hear that all the time, especially in my line of work. We do not tolerate hate here. Well, this is an interesting phrase because they're basically saying we hate hate. So you are intolerant of hate, which means that you hate hate which means you still have hate and you tolerate that hate. You tolerate hatred of hate. It's a vicious cycle. And as humans, we do live in these vicious cycles, don't we? And this is one of them. The fact is you cannot have the freedom to love if you do not have the freedom to hate. Because if you're forced to love, then it's not real love. You cannot have the freedom to not be racist if you are not free to be racist, because again, if you're forced into it, it's not real. And you cannot have the freedom to speak right if you do not have the freedom to speak wrong. Therefore, if someone wants to hate, they should be free to do that because you cannot lead them into a life of love through force because it's never real and you cannot force somebody to speak right. Uh, in fact, you have to give them the freedom to speak wrong in order for them to have the opportunity to speak right. I mean, have you ever, have you ever in your life had a brilliant thought in your head only to open your mouth and, and say that thought out loud and realize how stupid that thought was? <laughs> I've had that many times. I say something out loud. And I'm like, yikes, that was kind of a dumb idea. It sounded brilliant in my head. Many times we cannot come to know the truth if we cannot speak lies out loud and see how dumb they are, you know? And so we want to be very careful about this thought of limits on free speech. And by the way, in this talk of free speech, if you put limits on free speech, then it's no longer free speech because it's, there's limits on it. But the problem with this is that it is dangerous ground putting limits on free speech because it tends to lead towards totalitarian measures of controlled speech. Uh, media should not have limits put on it for speech, except the obvious limits that we already put on media. And that is in regard to what can be said on public airways in front of children, right? There's certain things we just don't allow to be said on public airways because of children and to protect them. That's the obvious. The other problem is that you do not want the government determining what is right and wrong. Trust me on that. You don't want them to be the determiners of that because they really don't know the difference. But what we've forgotten as citizens is we've forgotten that the government is not the only option to regulating speech in the media. Everybody looks to the government. Hey, what can we get the government to do? What can we legislate to limit free speech? Well, the problem is the government is not the only option. Did you know where the real power is to limit what the media puts out? The power is with you. 
you and I, we have that power. We have the power in our hand with the remote control. If we believe that the media is lying to us, we simply vote in a democracy by turning off the channel, their channel. And by the way, that's happened with CNN. CNN, a major liberal media outlet in America, their ratings have gone in the tank. And really, their ratings have gone in the sewer, so much so that the leaders at CNN have been firing people left and right and cutting shows because their ratings are so bad. Why? Because citizens are saying, you've been lying to us. You've been twisting the facts and playing to an agenda. To an agenda. We're turning off your channel. So they're voting with their remote control. Um, so you see, we have the power to regulate the media and speech. If I'm having a conversation with somebody and they're using their free speech, and I'm not placing limits on that. I'm allowing them to exercise their free speech, but maybe I don't agree with what they're saying. I either say, hey, I don't agree, or I just say, I don't really want to talk to you. I don't want to listen to your opinion. You see, it's that easy. We do not have to give in to the media's lies and their agenda. So again, the purpose of media in a just society is to keep us informed of what politicians are up to, so we know how to vote wisely. So there you go. Now, finally, let's talk about the role of religion in the church. Church and religion. I want to define that for a moment. Church, the church, Christian church, is a body of people that are centered around believing that Jesus Christ is an incarnation of God. Okay. And, and many other details, but that's the central and so you have, and it's called the church. It's, it's that, those people. It's not a building or a place you go. It, it's a, a multitude of people that are centered around that common belief. And then you have religion. And religion is, you know, is a body of beliefs that people center around. So you have Hindu religion, Christian religion. You have Muslim religion, you know, Jewish religion, all these different religions. And they play a part in the world, much the same as the government does, because the government comes from the people and serves the people. Well, religion, in its systematic sense, or even its organic sense, comes from the people and exists to serve the people. They Just that the government religion uses different means to do that. So it exists, the church and religion exists for humanity. It comes from humanity and exists for humanity or the progress of humanity. And humanity's main progress is to learn how do we come back into unity with the divine, with the creator, and how do we serve out the creator's purposes in creation? So, so government helps us make progress and how do we relate to each other as citizens in a society and religion plays the role. How do we live out the common goal of humanity to cooperate with the creator and creation, live out those purposes. So different means, different ways, but still the same thought it comes from the people exists for the people, not for itself too often though, Religion ends up 
existing for itself. And the people become the tools for that religion. Jesus called out Judaism for that. And Jesus told the Jewish leaders, he's like, or he's telling his disciples one day they were hungry. And they, on the Sabbath day, they were breaking the Sabbath laws because they were hungry. So they picked wheat from a, you know, filled, grinded it up in their hands and were eating it because they were hungry and have anything to eat. And the priest came out of the synagogue and like, oh, how could you allow them to do this on the Sabbath? And Jesus said, well, they were hungry. And then Jesus made a very bold and very radical statement. He said that the Sabbath exists for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath day is to help promote the human person. The human person does not exist to promote the Sabbath. So if the person needs, and, and Jesus used the example of King David, King David was in a battle. His men were hungry and weak in the middle of this battle with another nation. And so David broke the rules, went into the temple and grabbed the bread that only the priests were allowed to eat after the sacrifices. And they ate the bread. And Jesus told the priests of that day, he's like, you guys don't have any problem with that. But David doing that, how come you have a problem with my disciples eating on the Sabbath so they can stay alive? You know, and so we got to realize we do not as humans exist for religion. It exists for us to help us in our progress of cooperating with the creator within creation. So there you've got it. The end of a long discussion, a four-week discussion on uh, the political community in a just society. And I want to thank you for joining me in this quest to disseminate the purpose and working of the political community. Part of creating a just society is creating a just way to govern that society so that everyone's tracking in the same direction because you want a unified society. Uh, it is election season here in the U.S., a big election season, and I laugh at these stupid political commercials from various candidates of both of the major political parties, Democrats and Republicans. I mean, I these commercials, I'm like, man, any moron could have created that commercial. It's the same old thing, you know, how awful my opponent is. Wow. That is so far from what the purpose of government is. I wonder if there are any candidates from either party who truly have a grasp of why they exist. May God give us just leaders who will aid us in creating a just society right where we are. You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.